If you're hiring people that you don't trust to build their personal brand, you're probably hiring the wrong type of people. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to episode 111. Today, we're discussing the power of having employees that have strong personal brands. Our guest this week is Daniel Murray, and he's someone that I've been following on LinkedIn for quite a while now that I've wanted to feature on this show. He's a media and marketing operations leader, and where I first learned about him was through his brand, The Marketing Millennials. It's a marketing podcast, it's a marketing newsletter, and for me, it's one of the most helpful marketing resources I follow across social media. Daniel's going to describe it to you in a bit more detail here in a moment, but I'm going to say a few things up front. There's a word that I'm about to use that I feel is, you know, a bit overused, but this episode is truly a masterclass in marketing that every manufacturer can pull at least a few tips and tricks from. I'll even go as far as to say that for everyone out there listening today, I would highly, highly recommend sending this episode to any marketing leaders that are on your team or in your company. It's a bit of a bold request, but let me put this in the context of the three things you can expect from this episode. First, we're going to get to know Daniel a bit and hear about his own journey of getting into marketing, social media, etc. Second, and this is really the crux of our conversation, we explore one of Daniel's central mottos, that having employees with strong personal brands in your company is not a threat, it's an opportunity. We'll discuss why that's the case, how both individual contributors and executives can build their personal brands, and here's some examples of B2B companies where Daniel has seen this play out. Third, we get tactical. We'll discuss best practices for LinkedIn, how to get comfortable finding your voice and creating content, finding your audience. There's a lot in here, so I think it's best that we just cut to the chase pretty soon. Anyway, if you want to learn more, you can go to the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 111. That's 111. Like I said, you're going to want to send this to your marketing leaders and your organization or even just your friends that are up and coming marketers. You don't need me to tell you who might enjoy this, right? They're your friends. They're your connections. After all, you know who to send this to. But again, the show notes page is manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 111. That'll get you right to all the resources and an outline of what we discuss in this episode. Anyway, let's meet up with Daniel Murray as we take a quick audio journey to one of my favorite cities in Texas to kick off today's conversation. Daniel, welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour. And uh, as we were chatting before the interview, if we were having this conversation in person over beverages, where would that be? Paint the picture for us. Yeah, I'm actually a huge foodie. So I would try pick one of the top five restaurants before you came into town and bring you there to try the local cuisine of Austin. Or if we're in Austin... We probably would go to like a barbecue spot, have a a nice cold, either like beer or a, a, a my one of my favorite is like vodka crayon. Um, so either or um, at those type of places. 
So I have a very specific question then. Would we be drinking vodka cranberries in like that three to four hour line at Franklin Barbecue or do you have a different go-to barbecue joint? I actually love Terry Black's. Um, I think Terry Black's is just as good as Frank. I think Franklin's is worth trying once in your life, but I think the level of difference between Franklin's and Terry Black's is not the, is not too far off. So I think Terry Black's is just as good as Franklin's and the weight is a quarter of the time. Well, let's say we're having vodka, cranberries, beers at Terry Black's We're waiting for our barbecue. And someone asks, Hey, you know, I know you run the marketing millennials. What is that? What's the story behind that? How do you answer that? If you're having drinks and barbecue with someone? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I like to say that it's a community of marketers and we distribute content on different platforms. We have a podcast, we have a newsletter of almost 50,000 marketers. And we also have a LinkedIn audience that's almost 500K and then an Instagram audience. So my whole goal is to help simplify marketing for marketers. Uh, and I could give you the origin story of how that started, but that's what the goal was now. When I started, it was a total different perspective of what marketing millennials is to what it became today. I'd, I'd be interested to hear, I think I might've heard you tell this story on other podcasts, but what was the original goal? Yeah, so... I was building my personal brand on LinkedIn, and then I decided, hey, let's find a different way to distribute content because I just, it's as you know, as a content creator, it's hard to always come up with new ideas. So I thought a podcast would be great. So as coming up with ideas, I was like, what type of podcast? And the first podcast, it was actually going to be called like Full of SaaS, and it was going to be like a SaaS-specific podcast. And I was like, nah, I want to talk more broader marketing. I don't want to be pigeonholed to SaaS. So I came up with the name Marketing Millennials because at the time, it was me and one of my best friends. We were just two millennials talking marketing. So it just like came out of the air. I was just like, oh, we're two millennials talking about marketing. It's called the Marketing Millennials. Um and it was just a way for us to just get more content and talk to cool marketers and get cool marketers' voices out there to other people and then share their their opinions. And then the page started growing because the reason behind the page was I was trying to get in, get new guests onto the podcast. So the way I used to do it is I knew a lot of people on Twitter didn't have a big LinkedIn following. So I would repurpose the tweets and then they would see, oh, thank you, Daniel. Like I went, my post went off on LinkedIn and I'd be like, oh, no problem. Would you like to be a guest in the marketing millennials? And that's how I used to get guests. But that was not the intent. The intention was the page was never to like grow this huge, big page. But then I started noticing that this could be a high pass for marketers. There's, there's people have done the same exact playbook on other channels like Instagram and um, TikTok. So, but nobody's doing it on LinkedIn very well for them in the marketing space. So, I was like, okay, let's be that place for marketers on LinkedIn. So that's how it came about. But now I have a total different perspective of it because of the audience from from audience feedback, it, and it's just like helped so many marketers who are starting their career, who are learning in their career, like have another avenue to learn marketing. And my whole thing is 
I have an, a truth when I started marketing that the best way to learn marketing is from someone two years older than you in your career. And then also that marketing so fast, the changing industry that you need to keep up with relevant experts that are in the industry. So I try to bring those two perspectives to the market millennials to help people be able to continuously learn marketing. Yeah, I want to highlight something from that. And then I've got a, a follow-up question on one of the things you said. So uh, first of all, I, I think that's excellent. I love that story because we're talking about building personal brands today on this show. That's going to be one of the topics. And I think it's so important to know that, hey, what you plan to go into it or what your goal going in might change over time as you start building your brand and figuring out, hey, this is who my audience is and this is what I want to hear. So I don't want to do too many spoilers yet, but I do have a question that that jumped out was you said it's best to have a mentor that's two years ahead of you in marketing. So so why that time frame, right? When we think of mentorships, I feel like a lot of time it's like, oh, 10 years, 20 years, you know, someone that's been there, done that, that you admire in your career that has a skill you want to learn. But why that small time frame when it comes to marketing skills? I think marketing is such a fast changing industry. And you in I think the two best type of mentors, besides finding maybe someone older or, or I wouldn't say older, but just more experienced in their career. I think peer mentors, because they're going through the same things that you're going through. They have the same exact problems that you're going through. So you can bounce ideas. And then two years older is who you want to be in the next year or two. When you, you get someone who's 10 to 15, the gap is so big that they're skipping so many steps in their career that to get them to that place. And marketing moves so fast that someone who's 10 years in their career might have that think a lot of things have changed from when they were head of demand, like a demand gen specialist or a marketing operations specialist. So someone who's a marketing operations manager or demand gen manager is better off teaching someone because that's where they want to be in two years. So if you learn, if you tag onto someone who that, they could start teaching you relevant skills and give you relevant, expect relevant, answers to what you're trying to learn today uh and that's where i found my best mentors have been people who are people who where i want to go in like the next one to two years or people who are directly this besides me i've had some mentors that are more experienced in their career but they're more for just guiding me on general how to negotiate a salary or how to but not like execution tactical things that i'm doing in my job today well, I think that's a great fresh spin and a new way to think about mentors, right? Looking for people that may just be a couple of years ahead of you in your career, especially, you know, we've got a manufacturing audience, right? Tech moves very quickly too, the same way that uh, marketing does. So great piece of advice. I, I want to get into what I would say is the crux of our conversation today, because there's going to be a lot that stems off of this, but something that I've seen come up on your LinkedIn profile before, I feel it's a hallmark of your brand is, and I'm going to read this quote that I think you've tweeted. It's having employees with strong personal brands in your company is not a threat. It's an opportunity. So I'd like to ask you, what's the power of having employees with strong personal brands as part of your company? And then we can get into some of the more tactical things that go into this. Yeah. I just want to go back and say that the reason why I say that is because I've seen and people have come to me and they've said their employers are not letting them post because of X, Y, and Z reason. 
And I think if you don't, if it, from the employer side, if you're hiring people that you don't trust to build their personal brand, you're probably hiring the wrong type of people. If you don't trust the people that you're, you're who are posting, you're probably hiring the wrong type of people in your company. And second of all, it it's giving your brand a free free public free advertising because once they post it says their title at this company and every time they post you're getting free advertisement and i think we'll go into tactical but i think that you should lean on them building their brand for themselves not posting about the company about themselves because two things could happen either those people are in your industry and they can bring in more business but also one of the best products in your business is your people and i think if you have great personal brands you bring people who want to work for your company will see that you have great personal brands and they'll they'll want to work and you'll bring in talent that you will never when i was posting at service titan i was never posting about the service industry i was talking about all about marketing but people would apply to jobs and say hey i saw daniel is in the marketing team there I want to apply to this job. So I think like that, that's the power of your employees doing that. And I, we could talk about executives, which I have a different perspective, but for employees, I think there's so many, so much benefit. Also lawyer people, a lot of people invest in learning and development budgets and, and stuff like that. If you encouraging your employees to grow in your career and you're afraid of them leaving, that means you're not treating them the right way if you're afraid of them leaving. If you give them the benefits and promote them when they should be promoted and you're scared of them leaving and you're scared of them not working, then you're just not trusting your employees. So one, you're not treating them well, in my perspective, or two, you think they're not doing it. Obviously, some people spend too much time on social media and you can gauge that. But most of the time, these people are just trying to network build their their audience and honestly get better at their job by doing it if i post about marketing i'd learn from new marketers and i become a better marketer that's a long-winded answer but i'm very passionate about employers letting people build their own brands because they own their own social medias well i think it's it's a great answer you cover a lot of ground there just it's a reflection on the company it's reflective of trust you learn things by sharing and getting content out there um i have a lot of questions that that stem off of this today and i'm trying to think of which one i'm going to ask first I, i'm going to go to one that was coming up next anyway on my mind you said you have a different thought on how executives can leverage social media. And I think that's really important because in the manufacturing industry, I see a number of, let's say, mid-level managers, people that are getting started in their career, um, you know, a lot of millennials and Gen Z, they're really leveraging the power of social media. But I'm seeing less people that are executives leveraging it. So I'm interested to understand what might differ about an executive strategy. Yeah, I think... The number one powerful thing about a company is the founder story or like the executive story of the company. And people inherently trust people more than institutions. So when you're sharing your story, people actually connect you on a personal level, not a company level. So if you're if you're owning a say a manufacturer company and you're posting about behind the scenes of how you got started and tips and tricks and how like 
people start resonating and be like, okay, first this person has expertise. They understand the manufacturing industry more than anybody. They have a story. They, they have this deep passion that they came. They just didn't start this to make money. They started because they had a deep story behind it. And also they, you could connect with the people in the company, which is what people, a lot of deals come down to, the story that is told the people in the company and I, I bet in a lot of industries are word of mouth. So they say, Oh, this cool founder, I saw them on LinkedIn talking about this story. You should work, you should work with this. So if you see, and also inherently people follow people more than institutions. So to get more eyeballs on your, on your brand, people will follow you inherently more than they'll go to your company page or to your, to other pages. So they want to hear your story. There's perfect examples of like, not saying like he's the best advice of like how to run a president, but like Elon Musk and Tesla, like Elon Musk has a bunch of a huge following. Tesla has a smaller following. Uh, Richard Branson and Virgin, Virgin, like those are examples of strong personal brands where they are sharing the insider and people are connecting the two, but they also, they have a personal connection to Elon as well as Tesla now. Great example. I think looking at those, you know, I hear people talk about like LeBron James as well. You look at his followers versus the amount of followers the NBA has and LeBron has way, way more. So founders like Branson, Musk, uh, my, my question is, and this is for executives or really anyone that's building their brand and sharing their story on social media how do you leverage LinkedIn and maybe social media in general purposefully, like, i.e., like not sharing non-value added stuff just for the sake of sharing? Yeah, I think it all starts with separating yourself from the business and saying, like, who do I want to be in the next five years, 10 years? It's all about, like, who you want to be and who you want to be known for. Cause I think like jobs are very temporary. Even your company's temporary as much as people want to think that's not, it's, but your personal brand lasts forever. So who do you want to be for the next? It starts with that, having that. So like, if you want to be known as like the best marketer or the best in this or the best of that, or not even the best, like you want to known as an expert in this industry, you start talking about that. The big mistake is people, think very short term and say, okay, I'm going to talk about this industry only. And then they get pigeonholed in the industry and then they move to another job in another industry. And now all they're following is in that industry. So the number one thing is stick is figure out who you want to be known for first. Secondly, I like to say is once you figure that out, you got to figure out which I talked about at the beginning is like your, your, your inner truths that you truly believe in the industry. Like you just said, one of my truths of the personal brands, I talk about that a lot. That's one of my truths. So I have stapled that as part of my brand. I also have a truth that a lot of B2B social media sucks. So I talk about that and try to do that. But all my content is surrounded by truths that I know that I could write. And I stick to like two or three or four truths and all my content. So when you have a, a couple of truths, you can write a lot of content and say it in a different way a lot of the time, but you go always going back to your roots and then you have a, a deep passion of what you're talking about. And your truths can change over time based on new facts and stuff. So don't, the personal brand is an ever evolving thing. It's not something you lock in and 
stop. It's like you, it's ever evolving. Your truths change. You change as a person, but I like to have that as a grounding principle of my content. And then I also say is, is a lot of people do don't do this part is consume a lot of content in your space. I think understand what other people are saying, get inspiration, read books, podcasts, newsletters, wherever, have conversations with people. You need to consume great content in your space to be able to produce a lot of great ideas. And a lot of people don't forget that. And then they also don't document what they've learned. So then they, it's not on their mind. So also when you, when you're learning these things, document, write them down sometime. Um, so those are like how I like to start thinking about it. And then once I start thinking about it, then you, you become intentional about playing the long game and being consistent. Cause I think the two things is people will come up to me and say, I've been posting for a week and I don't see any traction. I'm like, come back in six months and tell me, tell me how it went. A lot of people just do like, don't want to invest longer than a month or two. And I think social is a long game. It's, it's not a, a short game. And, but the long game is brand is what sustains for a long period of time. Um, short span attention is great for like getting quick wins, but it doesn't sustain for a long time. When someone is buying from your company, they think of your name but when you, so that's why I think the, the other mistake people make is they're not consistent enough. Like you wouldn't, if you're training for a marathon, you wouldn't go train once a month and say like, and then go run it in a year. Like I'm going to run 12 times a year and then I'm going to be ready for the marathon. You have to actually have a training plan to do that. Same with posting. You have to post consistently and be consistent. And then as you're doing that document, your learnings, like what's working, resonating with the audience, what's not. And I think the the last thing I would say is like, go hang out in communities where LinkedIn might not be the best place for you. And I'm, I'm saying this for being on LinkedIn, like LinkedIn might find places where your audience is hanging out and go hang out there, see what they're talking about, see what they care about and start writing what they care about as well. Because you you also have to have content market fit. I like to say is like your content has to fit. Like you could talk about something that you're passionate about and nobody will care because the market doesn't care about it. Um, so you have to also connect what you care about to what people care about as well. So that's the last point I'll make. Awesome string of advice. I'm going to summarize a little bit. I, I And the point you finished on is incredibly important, right? Maybe we'll get into it later, but focus on where your audience is hanging out. And I think what manufacturers have found is LinkedIn is has kind of been the prime spot for that. I think I'm starting to find others. Maybe we get into that later. But uh, you know, to recap on what you said, you said, "Hey, start with that long-term plan. Figure out what your, you know, your pillars are, what your truths are, um, and then you got to be consuming content as well in order to come up with good content. Be part of that regular conversation. You know, I'll, I'll share a tidbit that I do. I don't post everything the second it comes into mind. Right? If I see a good idea. Or, you know, I'll take a screenshot of it. I have an ongoing Evernote file that I kind of write my content ideas for later when I come across them. I think you do something like that too, correct? You kind of keep a log? Yeah, I keep something called in marketing. It's called swipe file. But I just keep like, I screen, if I see a cool idea, I screenshot it. And what I like to think about when I'm posting content is 
would I share this in a group chat with a bunch of marketers? Yes or no. And if the answer is no, it's probably, I wouldn't share, share, like I wouldn't share it on social. Um, so when I take a screenshot of something, it's usually like, okay, I would want to share this with a bunch of people. Like I'm, this is a cool idea that I want to share with a bunch of people in my, in my niche. Um, so that's the thing that I think about is a lot is would I share it in a group chat and not, not like on with my fate, but like a actual niche group chat of marketers that I am passionate about sharing. It's not, and, and that's my like filter of what I posted or would I not post it. So you mentioned the marathon analogy, right? And I think that's perfect, right? You don't train for a marathon by going out running once a month. So my question then is whether you're an executive early in your career, whoever you may be in the manufacturing world, how do you develop a good LinkedIn habit that allows you to stay consistent? Yeah, I think you need to just like anything is time block your time. So I just developed the habit like every morning I'll post at this time. So I got into the habit that I'll just do it every single morning. So what I would do is just have it on my block of my calendar, post LinkedIn, post LinkedIn, post, until it became a habit. Um, so what I, the best way to do it is just time block calendar for me and say, I'm going to post at this time every single day. I think also what's very valuable is if you, if you pre-write content a week out, so you you say, okay, I know I need four pieces of content this week on these, like on a Friday, the previous Friday on a Sunday, I'm going to write these four pieces of content and grab them ready for this time of week. So then all you have to do at that time is the simple go on there and post those those posts. So I think that is a, a key as well as like, have your content prepared beforehand so you can you can be ready to do those actions ahead of time. So like what I would recommend if someone is starting out is like before you even start out, just write out like 30 pieces of content. So then you're in the habit of like posting once you start posting. So just like pre-write a bunch of content before you start posting. And then you get in the habit and then you're not ever falling behind. And that's where people stop posting because they fall behind. They don't know what they need to post. So pre-write it before you start. And then you'll have a content library that you could keep posting on. So, so let's head back to the barbecue joint real quick. You're ordering another vodka cranberry. I'm getting another beer. Someone at the table is like, you know what? I, I get all this, but Hey, I, I'm a busy person. I'm an executive. I'm trying to run this department. I, I don't have time for this how do you respond to that um i'll ask like what do you care about i mean like i think everybody has time and i think things are just priority priority so there's either find someone who can help you in your company or find someone outside to do it or like if you're if your whole thing is to grow your business or to do like be out there you would make time for it if if it, it was going to help you grow your business or help you grow your brand, I think you just have to reframe the conversation to yourself and say like, how is this going to help? And I think anybody has an extra 30 minutes or 20 minutes a day to do that. They just choose other things to do it. So I think the busy point of view is just like not prioritizing it. But if you, if you don't then invest in, 
talking to people who know how to do it before you do it, learn it before you do it. And then once you feel comfortable, do it. But I think everybody has time. If you reframe the conversation, how it's going to help your goals at the end. Cause sometimes like posting, everybody has different reasons for posting. And I think like the first question I always ask is like, why do you want to start posting? Like if I'm telling you this and it's just because you want to post a post like that's not a good enough reason i think you need to say like i want to either be known for this or i want to get more clients or i want to build a, a brand that sustains for a long time or i want to network or i want more speaking engagement there's always a why behind someone wants to do it you got to find the why and then once you find the why you connect the why to um that you can make time to do that um you just have to develop the habit to do that it's just like people who say that they don't have time to work out. Like everybody has an hour a day to do it. It's just like, do they want to, do they want to do this or this? It's like always a trade-off in life to do this or this. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a grab bag of questions coming up here, but maybe I will put a bow around this part of the conversation a little bit. You know, one thing I've been impressed with, with the marketing millennials is, I'll call it the community you built around it, right? Like you've got a dedicated following. You got people jumping into the conversations. I'm curious, We back to one of the original questions about having a strong personal brand. It's an opportunity for companies. Where have, How have you seen that play out? Do you have any examples or stories, maybe one that's recent where you've seen, you know, hey, this individual or this company had a bunch of individuals that built up their brands. And, you know, these are the results we saw for that organization. And it could be general and anecdotal, but I'm curious where you've seen it play out before. Yeah, I mean, Gong is the perfect example of this. Drift is the perfect example of this. Um, we was I've been seeing it at, even when I was at Sales Impact Academy, where when I started post getting the executives to post, people were like, oh, you have these people working for your company. And then people would be like, oh, I saw the, the, the CRO post. That's why I came like it was like in the feedback of deals. Like we, I saw this person post that the reason I came in. So a lot of people, or I saw my, that your, your executive's post was shared in our Slack channel. And that's why um, we decided to like reach out to you. Um, so I think there's those, those, those personal things, but I've also seen it where like in the executive's DMs that people will reach out and be like, Oh, I saw your post. Like, could, could I learn more about like X company? Like, and it happens like very organically because as you just become top of mind, people are like, okay, what, where does this person work? Oh, this person's interesting to talk to. Like their DM starts flying because you start staying, staying top of mind eventually. And the key to marketing is attention. I think like attention is um, a very, people, this is very limited. And I think you're trying to win space in the mind of people. And the way to win space in the mind is repetition and, if you're just, it might not happen the first time. It might happen the 27th time they saw your post. Um, but they'll, they'll see your post and be like, oh, this, this person knows this stuff, their expertise, and then they'll reach out. So I've seen it firsthand. And I've also seen it with my personal brand. Like people have reached out to me to, to be a consultant. People reached out to me for new jobs. People reached out to me to sponsor me. People have reached out to, to me to, be on webinars like the number of opportunities that have come from just me posting 
content is crazy. And I think like you could be that average person on this, like average person and build a name brand for yourself just because you're out there being top of mind and people know who you are. And I think my, one of my things I always say to people is like personal branding's networking at scale. Like you can't be in every room as a person. Um, so if you, if you build a personal brand, people start saying like, Oh, do they know a marketer? Yeah. I know Daniel Murray because he's people posting on stuff. I also say like another way to reframe it to executives is like, are you talking, do you, like a lot of executives want speaking gigs? Like, why don't you just, you get, it's basically a speaking gig to your audience every single time you post. Like, why do you want to just go fly, spend all this time? Every it's just, It'll take you 20 minutes to just write something and have a speaking gig every single time you post to your target audience. Um, so that's another way to think about it too, is like you're creating a, a narrative online, whether you're, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm rambling a little bit now, but that's the way I think about it, and I think there's true business results that come from it. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I I can also testify to that, right? Like, I was a an account manager when I started sharing content. Now I've got a full blown podcast and my own brand and a business around it as well. So you know, the the manufacturing happy hour story has a has a similar trajectory. You know, you, you I think it was important that you mentioned, hey, marketing's all about attention, right? It's getting eyeballs raising awareness, you know, eventually getting someone into the sales funnel. I'm curious to ask, this is a very mid-late 2022 question, but what content is resonating on LinkedIn right now? And and to give you some context, manufacturers, we've got robots, we've got a lot of cool technology. There's a lot of um, how-tos that go into all the stuff that we do as well. But what what are you seeing resonate on LinkedIn at, at the immediate moment? Yeah, so one things are like slideshow threads of of just like repeatable content. So that's something you could share like, oh, this cool new technology. I also think that there's such an opportunity to write a well-written text post with a good hook and a good about new technology or like new things that are coming emergence merging in the market. I also think there's it and I, I also reframe this, like it also depends on your your goal of what you're trying to do. Like for me, my number one goal is to get as many eyeballs as possible so I can take bring them to my podcast and newsletter um, because I think that's where they can get more in-depth content from me. Um, some people like that, like that's not their goal. So I think sometimes like long form video, you play the long game, you might not get as many eyeballs, but you build in that one-to-one trust relationship with people. So I think video, I think it all works, but I also say one thing is like, stick to the format that you're great at. So like a lot of people don't do this. If you're good at video, like double down on video it, it because you're good at that. Um, if you're good at written content, double down on written content. If you're good at images, like double down on that content because you could do that very well. A lot of people have to, they are stuff that works, but I think you should double down on stuff. And if you don't, not good at that, get someone to help you like translate your video into written content or something like that. But oh, I always say double down. Like for me, I'm not that great at video. So I double down on written and imagery and sometimes audio. Uh, so I think double down on what you're good at first and then 
you could um, move on. But there's so many different ways to approach it. And I think it all starts with like, what are you trying to achieve out of the platform? Because sometimes like having a, a thousand people follow you that are just like raving fans that in your niche is more important than having 10,000 people that are just like average in your niche that are not like that engaged. So it's like always what your goal of the platform is. Um, I hope that answered it, but like it just, there's different ways to think about it. And it all depends, starts with the goal you're trying to achieve on that platform. Well, one thing that jumped out in there, a, a bunch of good things, but I'll highlight one because I think manufacturing in our industry, there tends to be a bad habit. And this is this is not just manufacturing, right? People want to close the deal right away. You see it in LinkedIn DMs all the time. It's like, hey, thanks for connecting. Would you like to buy my product, right? But what I heard you say is social media is just one way to direct traffic to other let's say, trust-building mechanisms like a newsletter, like the website, like your podcast. So it's it's just one piece of, let's say, a trust-building puzzle with with the people that you're trying to reach with the audience. Yeah, I would say the, num- the number one thing for great B2B content is expertise. So if you, like, and a lot of the manufacturing people listening to this, you probably have so much expertise in your space that that needs to be shared that if someone heard that you're speaking about that, that certain topic, they'll be like, Oh, this person understands. And then when someone, when someone understands and says, Oh, I under, they understand me as a person that builds trust and long-term gains. But like, if you slide into, if you, it's like going to a networking party and saying, Hey, you want to buy my new manufacturing product? Like, like, or do you want to see my new robot and not ever met the person? You have to go there, tell your story, build a relationship, be like, hey, maybe we can grab coffee sometime and like chat more about this and learn from each other. And then it becomes like this relationship building. Like you would never do that at a networking party. You would never do that at any party. Like go try to close the deal, like right as you shake the hand and say like, hey, I'm this, like you want to buy my product? You wouldn't do that. You would like tell your story, tell them why you got into this thing. And the, the same thing is on LinkedIn is like, you want to tell your story. You want to build expertise. You want people to trust you. And the way you'd build trust is by showing, sharing what you know. And that's the best way to share it. Like sharing that you know the industry, know know the audience, know what they care about. That's the best way to to win. You know, one one other very tactical question I have. We we've been talking in the context of LinkedIn quite a bit today. Is there and it goes back to your point earlier that hey, go where your audience is. Is what's what's one other social network right now that you're seeing being a sweet spot for B2B? I'll give a couple, I'll give a generic answer and then I'm gonna give like another answer that I would recommend too. Um I think there's a huge I like channels that have natural organic reach. So I would say TikTok or YouTube shorts and especially for manufacturing, because like there's so much cool stuff you could show there and that's natural to the platform. Like video is natural to TikTok and YouTube shorts. So if you are showing those cool things, people will be interested. So, and TikTok is very, what's great about TikTok, it's an interest-based platform. It's not a following-based platform. So what I mean by that is, like people who are interested in 
that type of thing are following will appear in their feeds where like LinkedIn is very like, if someone likes it, that's in marketing, it might get to someone who else. it won't show to like, if I like marketing, it I might not get marketing content, but TikTok's very like that. It's very like based on that. So I would say TikTok. Um, another platform I would say that is not really a social, but it's a great way is I think like, podcasts and newsletters are just like the two places where you could build deep expertise is and i i say that not as a selling platform like if you had became the best at like what you're doing right now like the knowledge platform for a specific thing in manufacturing and the go-to place to read read that type of content you become like the media source and the distribution engine for your industry so I think a lot of people think of it as a selling channel. I think of it as like, just provide as much value to your audience and don't talk. It's not, it's not about your company. It's everything about your audience. So talk about everything that they care about. So like if your audience is say like, say I'm a manufacturing company that sells to um, like commercial real estate agents, my newsletter would be about commercial real estate, not about manufacturing. Like I would talk about like how to be a better commercial real estate agent because eventually you build this audience of commercial real estate that you could eventually plug your product in to start talking about. The problem is a lot of people start talking about manufacturing and what what does that do? Bring in people, other people who care about manufacturing and that's never your buyer. Is other, some people, it could be, but it, like you want to do who is the end buyer of your audience and talk about that, that as your podcast. Like, so if you're, pod, if you're doing a podcast, it should never be about your company, what your company does. It should be what your audience cares about. Love it. You've put so much focus on who the audience is today. Um, you've also helped, I think, narrow focus in a good way, right? Don't be everywhere at once. Focus on where they're hanging out. Play to the, the mediums that are your strengths, whether that's writing, video, plenty of different ways to get the word out. You know, as we get here at the the end of the conversation, is there any advice we haven't covered or any area that you think we should have covered for our personal branding and largely LinkedIn focused conversation today? Yeah, I would say that when you're building something for a company, think of think of that piece of content as a, a more of a grander scheme of like a media asset. So what I mean by that is like if you're creating a podcast, for example, like think of that as like one avenue of distribution to a larger picture of multi. I think people just think narrowly of like LinkedIn's one niche. It's a network effect of multiple. So like if I create one pod, what you're doing right now, like if I create one podcast, I can now think about it as, okay, where can I distribute that podcast on other platforms? Could I turn this podcast into a newsletter? Can I turn this podcast into five LinkedIn posts? Could I turn this podcast? So I like to think about it as a start as a, as one platform for creation and then figure out channels to distribute later. But like this podcast long form is a great way to distribute into short form content. So like what my newsletter has become like a place for me to, create content and then say, okay, let me chop this up to make a podcast episode about it, or maybe like chop this up to make a LinkedIn post about it, or now let's do a TikTok about it. Or like now, like, so like think of it as a one 
a, a place to create content and distribute it on other networks. And a lot of people think of it as one asset, one asset, one asset, but it, it is, think of it as a grand uh, whole pie. And it's just a, one part of the pie that you're trying to capitalize on. Well, hopefully this ends up being a pretty meta lesson for the audience out there then, because I will be chopping this up and distributing it to a lot of different spots. So I think our regular listeners see that on a on a regular basis. So great way to put it in the context of uh, of our show today. You know, l- last question. Is there any resource out there that you'd recommend people dive into a book, maybe, for example, if they want to take a deeper dive into this topic? And then, of course, we got to give you a plug for the uh, marketing millennials as well, because that is also a great resource. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say if you want to learn more about LinkedIn, I would say go, go to the go look at how Justin Welsh is and look at his playbook i think he has a systemized approach to how doing like and he's a good friend of mine so i would say like he he's nailed down the approach of that i also say like what i said before is like go consume find the people in your space that are doing great things and go consume their type of content so that's why like i don't like to give certain types of advice of this because it's like it's very like who you are based, but like books that have helped me is like influenced by Robert Cialdini. I think he, that's just like people are in the root of everything. So like, if you just learn what, how people influenced that. And then I also think there's like, go back to like Ogilvy and these old, older writers and older copywriters, because they had to learn people deeply because they had to sell Literally, if you think about how crazy this is, is they had to write a a ad and get someone to clip out a, the piece of the ad and go mail it back in. So the copy had to be so good that they had to get someone, imagine someone in a cold winter trekking through the slow to just go mail in their stamp to go buy something. That's how good of a copywriter that would be. So like learn from the best, learn from things that are like great from old times. So that's great. And then market millennial stuff. Um, yeah, we post a lot of marketing millennial stuff. We have a podcast, so if you like audio, you can go look at the marketing millennial. I have some bunch of great guests on there. Um, the newsletter, you can go subscribe to the newsletter. Um, there's a link on my LinkedIn page for that. The, we we post a lot on LinkedIn. Um, we're on a lot of different channels, so whatever channel you like consuming content in, you can go go find it. But we're more active on newsletter podcast and. LinkedIn right now. Well, I can personally uh, provide a testimonial. I follow your stuff, whether that's on Instagram, LinkedIn, the podcast. Great stuff for the listeners out there. All of those will be over at the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com. And with that, Daniel, I just want to thank you for being on today's show. Thank you. Hey, what's up, everyone? What did you think? Did we deliver on our commitment to give you a master class in marketing? Well, hey, I'd love to hear more from you in the comments on Twitter, on social media. But first, hey, thanks for listening. Thanks to Daniel for jumping on the show. If you want to connect with Daniel, if you want to sign up for the Marketing Millennials newsletter, subscribe to the podcast. All those links are over at the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 111. That's episode 111. There you can also find links to the books and people that Daniel mentioned and both barbecue joints in Austin that we gave shout outs to. I've never been to Terry Black's. I really need to go there. That's on my to-do list now. I can safely say Franklin 
It's a great spot. The barbecue's incredible. Some of the best brisket, probably the best brisket I've ever had. But hey, you got to get there early. Like I'm talking 9 a.m. on a weekday, but it's a lot of fun. You know, bring some breakfast, lawn chairs, dominoes, playing cards, whatever it is. It's kind of like a party hanging out in line while you wait for the barbecue joint to open. But this is not a barbecue podcast, so we're going to drop this part of the conversation. We're going we're gonna to start wrapping up the interview. So my one call to action this week, I really should say second. I've been, I've been egging you on pretty hard to send this to marketing leaders within your network. But the other thing I would say is I'm going to start a conversation around marketing and personal brand building in our manufacturing happy hour industry community on LinkedIn. So if you want to be part of that conversation, go to manufacturinghappyhour.com community. It'll take you straight to our LinkedIn page. Request to join do me a favor, send me a direct message on LinkedIn as well so I know who you are, but would love to have you in that group, would love to have you as part of that conversation. We're always having discussions around topics in manufacturing, and I'm going to try to do a better job moving forward to create conversations around the topics that we discuss in the episodes each week. So again, go to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash community. It'll take you straight to our private LinkedIn group that has somewhere over 600 people in it at the time of this recording. So top-notch crew. We hope to see you there. And with that, hey, thanks again for listening. Stay innovative, stay thirsty. We'll catch you again next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.